Chapter fifty two of Curiosities of Literature, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Curiosities of Literature, Volume three, by Isaac Disraeli. Chapter fifty two. Literary Parallels an opinion on this subject in the preceding article has led me to a further investigation it may be right to acknowledge that so attractive is this critical and moral amusement of comparing great characters with one another that among others bishop hurd once proposed to write a book of parallels and has furnished a specimen in that of petrarch and rousseau and intended for another that of erasmus with cicero it is amusing to observe how a lively and subtle mind can strike out resemblances and make contraries accord and at the same time it may show the pinching difficulties through which a parallel is pushed till it ends in a paradox heard says of petrarch and rousseau both were impelled by an equal enthusiasm though directed towards different objects petrarch's towards the glory of the roman name rousseau's towards his idol of a state of nature the one religious the other un esprit fort but may not petrarch's spite to babylon be considered in this time as a species of free thinking and concludes that both were mad but of a different nature unquestionably there were features much alike and almost peculiar to these two literary characters but i doubt if hurd has comprehended them in the parallel i now give a specimen of those parallels which have done so much mischief in the literary world when drawn by a hand which covertly leans on one side an elaborate one of this sort was composed by longolui or longel between budaeus and erasmus this man though of dutch origin affected to pass for a frenchman and to pay his court to his chosen people gives the preference obliquely to the french budaeus though to make a show of impartiality he acknowledges that francis i had awarded it to erasmus but probably he did not infer that kings were the most able reviewers this parallel was sent forth during the lifetime of both these great scholars who had long been correspondents but the publication of the parallel interrupted their friendly intercourse erasmus returned his compliments and thanks to longolui but at the same time insinuates a gentle hint that he was not overpleased what pleases me most erasmus writes is the just preference you have given budaeus over me i confess you are even too economical in your praise of him as you are too prodigal in mine i thank you for informing me what it is the learned desire to find in me my self-love suggests many little excuses with which you observe i am apt to favour my defects if i am careless it arises partly from my ignorance and more from my indolence i am so constituted that i cannot conquer my nature i precipitate rather than compose and it is far more irksome for me to revise than to write this parallel between erasmus and budaeus though the parallel itself was not of a malignant nature yet disturbed the quiet and interrupted the friendship of both when longolui discovered that the parisian surpassed the hollander 
in greek literature and the knowledge of the civil law and worked more learnedly and laboriously how did this detract from the finer genius and the varied erudition of the more delightful writer the parallelist compares erasmus to a river swelling its waters and often overflowing its banks budaeus rolled on like a majestic stream ever restraining its waves within its bed the frenchman has more nerve and blood and life and the hollander more fullness freshness and colour the taste for biographical parallels must have reached us from plutarch and there is something malicious in our nature which inclines us to form comparative estimates usually with a view to elevate one great man at the cost of another whom we would secretly depreciate our political parties at home have often indulged in these fallacious parallels and pitt and fox once balanced the scales not by the standard weights and measures which ought to have been used but by the adroitness of the hand that pressed down the scale in literature these comparative estimates have proved most prejudicial a finer model exists not than the parallel of dryden and pope by johnson for without designing any undue preference his vigorous judgment has analyzed them by his contrasts and has rather shown their distinctness than their similarity but literary parallels usually end in producing parties and as i have elsewhere observed often originate in undervaluing one man of genius for his deficiency in some eminent quality possessed by the other man of genius they not unfrequently proceed from adverse tastes and are formed with the concealed design of establishing some favourite one the world of literature has been deeply infected with this folly virgil probably was often vexed in his days by a parallel with homer and the homerians combated with the virgilians modern italy was long divided into such literary sects a perpetual skirmishing is carried on between the aristoists and the tastoids and feuds as dire as those between two highland clans were raised concerning the petrarchists and the chiabarists old corneille lived to bow his venerable genius before a parallel with racine and no one has suffered more unjustly by such arbitrary criticisms than pope for a strange unnatural civil war has often been renewed between the drydenists and the popists two men of great genius should never be depreciated by the misapplied ingenuity of a parallel on such occasions we ought to conclude magis peris quam similis End of chapter fifty two